Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January 15, 2024, and today we're reading from the big book, and we're in the doctor's opinion, page XXIX, the third line from the top, after they have succumbed to the desire again, reading through two sentences ending with, there is very little hope of his recovery, and we'll comment on those two sentences only. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 Steps, Joni C., for the 12 Traditions, Rick J., and reading the text are Crystal R. and Penny E., and our backup is Tamara C. The newcomer greeter is Jessica C., and the host of the second hour is Maria F. The reference number for Sunday, January 14th, Special Edition, is 21,037. That's 21037. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Joni C. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Joni C. from Minnesota, gratefully recovered but not cured. Here are the steps we took. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12 having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message 
to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much, Joni. Okay, I will now ask Rick J. to read the 12 Traditions. <clears throat> Thanks for your service, Katie. My name is Rick J. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Rick. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book and we're um, in the doctor's opinion on page XXIX, the third line from the top, after they have succumbed to the desire again, through two sentences ending with, there is very little hope of his recovery. And I will ask Crystal R. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Crystal R., recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, the phenomenon of craving develops. They pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over. And unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. 
Good morning. Um, as I was reading this paragraph, I realized, you know, I've um, I've lived uh, I've lived by myself so long in recovery, and before that with my family, who's <clears throat> mostly just compulsive overeaters like me. I haven't actually been around normies before, and um, really for long periods of time. And now, because I'm married, I get to watch my husband, and it's so fascinating. Like he. Over Christmas, he received like a big box of like treats and he loves like cookies and treats and stuff. And this big box has just sat in our house since December 25th. And every night at dinner, he just like takes a cup of them, eats them, puts them away and just doesn't look at them again or think about them again. And it's so it, to me, it's like looking at a science experiment being like, I don't I don't understand how you're doing that. You know, and even with my friends, I, I've heard them talk about this and they say, you know, oh, yeah, we have a craving. We eat a little bit and then the craving goes away. And this helps me to see, you know, what a different person I am. That first of all, what happens before um, I pick up for them, they have a physical craving and then they eat something. For me, the reason I succumb to the desire is because my mind is not a tolerable place without the food. I can't, it's like, it's like I can't sit in my skin. Like I just need something to take the edge off, to just make everything, all the thoughts go away. And so that's why I eat, not because there's a physical craving to begin with. And then once I pick up that food, I just keep going. Then it's like something wakes up inside me and it just needs more and more and more. And for my friends, it's like as they eat more, that the enjoyment they're getting out of what they're eating starts to decrease, and so they stop. For me, as I eat more, yeah, many times the enjoyment I was getting started to decrease. Like, I remember nights where I'd just be so sick, and I just, like, my body wanted to stop, and it was like I just could not. It was like there was something inside me that just needed more, and there was no there was no end in sight, and I really don't know if and when I will ever stop at that point doesn't matter what the consequences are. And um, and I remember I'd wake up the next morning knowing like, oh, I feel so sick. I feel disgusting. I just like I just want this to stop. But I I didn't even I, I had actually gotten to the point of no hope where I stopped making any promises. Like after years of diets and promises, by the time I was 30 years old, this disease has progressed so much that I'd stopped making any promises. There was no remorse because I woke up feeling so sick and knowing that just that exact same day, I was going to do the exact same thing again. So for me to recover, something had to drastically change inside me. This was not a matter of changing my habits. It was not a matter of just making slight tweaks to my life. I actually had to become a totally different person altogether so that I can stay in my own skin without any kind of anesthetic, including food. And before, so in order for that to happen, I had to have an entire psychic change. God had to come in and just rearrange everything inside me. And today I know time, please. because of the 12 steps in recovery, I'm a totally different person on the inside and out, which is why I don't need to ever pick up the food again. Thanks for letting me pass. Oh, sorry. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Crystal R., for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So if you did not share last Thursday or Friday, you're welcome to share this morning. Press star one to unmute. We're on the third line from the top on page XXIX after they have succumbed, reading those two sentences. Elise N. Elise N. Rick J. 
Shanna C. Yes, I got you, Shanna. I got Elise N. Ken W H. Rick J. Ken W H. Adam C. Cheryl A. Cheryl A. Anyone else in this first group? Okay. Elise N, Shanna C, Rick J, Ken WH, Tamara C, and Cheryl A. Go ahead, please, Elise. Elise, star one. Hello. Good morning. Um, Thank you for your service, and especially to all those that are out there that are in relapse or new and are afraid to speak. Just speak up. Um, <clears throat> I'm <clears throat> reacting to this um, paragraph, you know, had a craving, you know, where I couldn't stop would activate the craving. Um, and I believe, you know, I was born without an off button. And, you know, I still remember like my first memories of compulsive eating, you know, was when I went across the street, started drinking something sweet with my friends and um, chocolate milk, and I just couldn't stop. And I'd be at my own birthday party, and I would be planning, when I had my first piece of cake, I'd be planning, how am I going to get the second one without anyone noticing? And I'm in a little kid. Um, <clears throat> so I still recognize that I don't have an off button. And the way that I recognize that is, I, you know, I weigh and measure my food, but the, but the way I recognize it is when I get a feeling that's uncomfortable, I'm newly recovered, and I'll get a feeling like I'll, I'll be feeling lonely. My friend went on a date, and I'll be feeling lonely. And all of a sudden, I'll think, I'm kind of hungry. And then I have to think and say, well, wait a minute. You ate dinner, you ate, and you're absolutely not hungry. So there's a problem, and then I'll make phone calls or write about it or something, write a spot check inventory, send it off to my sponsor. Um, But with this phenomenon of craving, um, you know, I used to go to, you know, if I would go to a wedding, I remember going to this very fancy wedding, and I was sitting with somebody, and they had these little, they had these trays with these little tiny desserts coming around. One of them was my favorite. And she was taking one little dessert off the trays, uh, and she would put she would take one spoonful, and she would stop, and then she'd take another little dessert, and she would take one spoonful, and she would stop. And I would look at her. You know, I was like kind of looking at it in amazement, remembering when I had embarrassed myself at my friend's had an engagement party for her daughter, and they had little little cups of chocolate mousse and I had taken at least six or seven of them and somebody must that I liked them so they handed me one and I was like oh no someone sees me you know but I just couldn't you know stop once I got started and um so I'm very grateful that I have a program today where I've worked the steps and I'm taking a couple people through them now and I just do you know, a spot check inventory during the day if I, um, you know, have a feeling that's overwhelming me where I might be tempted. And I have Time, a nice inventory. Um, 
so that I don't pick up that first bite and get the cravings. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thank you, Elise. And, okay, Shana C., you're up, followed by Rick J. Good morning. This is Shana C. Thank you so much, uh, Katie. And thanks to the uh, Crystal for reading and all. Ditto, ditto, ditto. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Tennessee uh, through God's grace and mercy. And uh, so grateful for this meeting that I get to get on here and be reminded, you know, um, in real time by real people that this is a real disease. And um, I eat like an alcoholic drinks. <clears throat> and um, that's, that's just the way that's just the way it is. You know, I, I completely identify with the whole restless irritable discontent um, until I can have some ease and comfort from somewhere. Um, and I never thought I thought food affected everyone the way that it affected me. I, I, I just did. And, and I so identify with the idea of having to have that entire psychic change because that's the point that I got to. Um, see, I'm also in uh, a recovered alcoholic and, and, you know, I don't know what it was in my way of thinking or whatever. I thought, you know, I, I get it, you know, alcohol, you know, alcohol's bad. Like, you know, an alcohol, you know, give up the alcohol. You got to do that. But food, I mean, you got to eat. How in the world, you know, doesn't food affect everybody the same way? Well, not me, you know, um, I've tried countless times. Uh, it's just like everybody else. And then once I got to that point of, oh, my God, here I am. I'm, I'm sober in AA, dying, wanting to die because this food is just, I've had it my whole life and I'm never going to change. And I'm miserable, sober. But I have everything to live for and I'm experiencing the presence of God in my life. I see miracles happen. I mean, I, I am. But the food was just like, God Almighty. And I've been praying about it for years. And then um, I reached the end of my rope one morning and I fell down on my knees and said, God, you're going to have to make me into a different person. I'm going to suffer the rest of my life. Either change me and help me with this or enable me to live with this horrible thing that I've got because I don't want to live anymore. And uh, that morning I called and got on a vision for you and someone was telling her story. She was an alcoholic also. It was who I needed when the student is ready, the teacher appeared for me at least. And God has been doing for me what I was never able to do for myself, and I've been abstinent since September the 29th of 2019. It's a miracle for my life. I cannot believe it every single meal, every single day. I'm grateful. Anyway, uh, so grateful that uh, that God heard me that day, and um, I get to be abstinent today. And that's it. That's all I have. Thank you, Shanna. Okay, Rick J., you're up, followed by Ken W.H. Hey, thank you, Katie. This is Rick J. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina. Uh, and thanks for your service. And uh, thank you, Crystal, for getting us started and loving the shares. Yeah, after they have succumbed to the desire again, the mental obsession, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops the physical allergy, you know, and then, of course, the well-known stages of a spree, which is I continue to eat until I run out or pass out. Um, And then, you know, there's, I'm just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again, you know, and, of course, we know that definition of insanity, you know, if if I think I can change this on my own, um, 
you know, that's what brought me to, to an absolute bottom, you know, into, uh, you know, isolation, loneliness, despair, uh, and, uh, you know, just not wanting to continue living like this. And thank God I found recovery in, in these steps, this spiritual awakening, the, uh, you know, the recovery that I've experienced. And the words change, right? Uh, it's on this page three times, uh, entire psychic change. You know, it says psychic change again, uh, essential psychic change. Um, and over on uh, page 50, it talks about a revolutionary change. Crystal mentioned a drastic change. Yeah, this is this is above and beyond anything that I'm doing now. And uh, as we know, it's, it's only going to happen with the uh, help of a higher power. I, I'm powerless over this. I cannot do it. And I tried. I've tried everything. But I'm very grateful to be, you know, living in the steps today, connected to a higher power. And that change that occurred is still going on. It's very dynamic. I'm still changing. And there's a part of me that knows that if I am not continually doing the spiritual actions I need to do to keep changing, then my mental obsession can come back. It's only this spiritual transformation, this connection with the higher power that can overwhelm that uh, that mental obsession. So I'm just grateful to be here with all of you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Rick J. Ken WH, you're up, followed by Tamara C. Thank you very much. This is Ken WH, Recover Compulsive Eater from Cary, North Carolina, uh, following my brother here, <laughs> my neighbor. Um, change. Oh, my goodness. Change. <laughs> How frightening. Um, I was just, the entire is there again, just like entire abstinence is spoken of earlier. Here we have entire psychic change, which means everything has to change. And that's what I've come to understand for myself, that everything has had to change in my life. Uh, as reluctant as I have been to make all those changes or be a part of those changes, I, they're nonetheless absolutely and entirely necessary. I looked up this, this the word psychic, as many of us has, and uh, it's related to phenomena that are apparently inexplicable by natural laws. Well, that's just another way of saying I can't make that change. Only a power from outside of myself, outside of natural laws, can can change it. And I've had to accept that over the years that it, <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. Something else had to happen. Well, it happened. And um, as I understand it today, the way I say it is that God got a hold of me and changed changed it all. It also says in the definition it's related to the soul or mind, and I love the example they give in this definition. They say, he dulled his psychic pain with gin. Ha! Oh my goodness, yes. How often did I have that mental, that soul pain, that hurt, that longing inside that I couldn't do anything about except eat? 
and that's the only thing that would solve it or soothe it. Uh, it never solved it. And um, it wasn't until uh, I had that entire psychic change that I came to understand the only thing that could soothe the psychic pain, the soul pain, the deep heart pain was a power outside of myself who loved me to the core. And for that, I'm so grateful because that came to me through study of the big book and being with y'all. So y'all have a great day. Take care. Bye. Thank you, Karen WH. And Tamara C., you're up, followed by Cheryl A. Thank you. Thank you, Katie, for your service. I'm just, uh, this is Tamara C., uh, grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm in Missouri. And I am really, I'm appreciating the shares. I'm getting so much out of this. I can relate to so much of what I've heard. Um, I identify with this um, being stuck in that cycle of going back to the first bite and then uh, triggering the craving and then, um, you know, uh, just hating the whole experiences and and thinking, okay, next time I'm going to do better. And then um, it's just miserable. And I, I too needed that entire psychic change. And so the psychic change for me was uh, happened through the steps, seeing how I'm stuck in the Tamar show and uh, looking at um, how I just, I'm always fighting and fighting all these efforts to, to figure life out and to help life go my way so that I can be okay. And, and all of that was killing me. Um, there was a lot of trying to control myself and my circumstances and people around me. And um, I, I just shared with my sponsor yesterday that I, I had the idea that like if I can hold my breath just right, I can keep the world around me from crashing down on me. Like, you know, I, I kind of terrorize myself with imagining future calamity, but I, I have to like hold it off by... Anyway, it's all it's a miserable way to live, and I really needed a psychic change. Um, I needed to see that I can, that I do have a higher power who um, is personal to me now and will be there always for me in the future, and that is caring enough and able enough and big enough and abundant enough and all is well and all will be well, no matter what my outside circumstances or no matter what the people around me are doing. And um, I got to discard my old ideas for the new design that really works. And this change happens to me. I don't do it. Even this, I can't control, as people have been sharing. I can't make this change happen. I can take action. And then um, this is a spiritual experience that is done to me and breaks that cycle that miserable food cycle and brings me freedom. So the goal of all of this is to help me access that power and and that power, my higher power, is involved in the psychic change from from the very beginning, from step one. And um, so, yeah, just uh, go through the steps and keep living in the steps. It's, it's a beautiful design for living. Thanks, I'll pass. Excuse me. Thank you, Tamara. Okay, Cheryl A. is up, but first let me just remind you where we are in case you just jumped on the meeting. We're on the uh, third line on page XXIX after they have succumbed to the desire again, finishing that paragraph. 
Go ahead, Cheryl. Hi, good morning. Uh, this is Cheryl A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Brooklyn, Massachusetts. Thanks for your service, Katie, and to everyone who shared and started us off today. Um, first, I just want to start with some unbelievable gratitude. I'm feeling that I get to hear um, with my this family, this chosen family, every day um, a message that helps jumpstart me. Because what this says is that I need a psychic change to be able to thrive or function, forget thrive, which is, of course, my goal, but I just a function. I have to have a complete and total psychic change. But when I wake up every day, I've got a negativity bias. Um, I'm wired in a way that I won't be patient. I'll want to pick something up to provide ease and comfort to whatever pain, whether it's the desire to not feel whatever emotion it is that I just don't like, the thought, the thing that happened yesterday, the anger, and then I'll want to numb and pick something up um, in order to be able to to fix that, except we all know it doesn't fix it ever. So we get to show up to this meeting and jumpstart a process. It's like, you know, you know those like um, those long lighters that help you light candles and sometimes they just like it just doesn't work well and the and the, and the click doesn't happen easily and the flame doesn't ignite so easily but then it does you know this this is a surefire way of these 12 steps to be able to ignite that flame that's going to set a process in motion inside of me that's going to arrest um the 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 com- the compulsion i have to not wait i have to starve the part of me that needs it now, whether it's my thinking or whether it's uh, food I want, I have to starve that part of me. I can't feed it. If I feed it, it'll want more and more and more. And by working these steps, I get to have this change where I just don't want to, to not wait anymore. I can wait. I can. And then when I starve the part of me that needs it now, I don't fear as much. I don't get angry as much. I'm not impatient as much. I'm not negative as much. I'm not any of those things. And I get to live and get closer to that place where I can actually flourish and thrive, which is my goal today. So grateful for all of you and to constantly be able to remind myself daily, daily what to do, which is just what step am I on? Take the next right one, next right action. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Thank you, Cheryl A. from Massachusetts. Okay, so if you have not shared in the last two days, who would like to share on this paragraph on page XXIX? Pedro, Pedro B. Melissa C. Pedro, Melissa. Cat H. Michelle N. Okay, wait a second. I heard Pedro B., Melissa C., and then it kind of got a blur. So if you said your name, I'll say it again. P-P. Okay, I think I heard Alexis. Someone else. Michelle. Uh, Michelle. Pat H. Pat H. Okay, so there's uh, someone in there I didn't hear. I can't hear you. Can you say that again, please? You're very muffled. Sorry, Jeannie B. One more time. Something, Junie, Julie, Janie. Jeannie B. Thank you. 
Okay, so I have Pedro B, Melissa C, Alexis, I don't know her initial, Michelle, Pete B, Pat H, and Jeannie B. Go ahead, please, Pedro B, followed by Melissa C. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay, thank you. Yeah, my name is Pedro B. I live in San Bernardino, California, and um, I am not recovered. I am trying to stay afternoon today, um, doing the best I can. And uh, uh, this is this is my story right here. This this uh, you know after they have to come to the desire again, as so many do. That's me. I've been trying to stay afternoon for over fifteen years, and I get afternoon for X amount of time. It seems like my psychic uh, non-change. <laughs> uh, always convinces me that uh, I can eat a little more of this and a little bit more of that and and, uh, and the fact is that I haven't been able to stay acting uh, because of uh, you know it's, it's interesting because uh, the fact is that uh, life is always changing you know uh, whether I like it or not you know even though I don't see it changing but and, and the thing is that you know um uh, we, I either change for the better or I change for the worse. I don't, I don't stay at the same place. I never stay at the same place, you know. And uh, so we have an opportunity here to change for the better. And uh, and how do we do that? Well, we have to be willing. We have to be willing to change, and we have to take responsibility to to do whatever that change is is about, right? So. Um, uh, little by little, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning to uh, to stay acting one day at a time. You know, like I said, uh, I'm working on today. So if you're new, welcome. If you if you're struggling, welcome. Keep coming back. That's what I've done. You know, uh, somehow this power in my life uh, always uh, uh, has helped me come back to. Uh, to overuse anonymous and and to uh, to work the program to get abstinent and to work the steps you know which is the solution that's the only way this psychic change uh, can happen you know and, and that's what it needs to be an entire psychic change um, I need to change especially my beliefs about certain things because I come here believing certain things that are not true and and that needs to change especially. You know, because uh, if if I don't believe that I need to go to meetings, if I don't believe that I need to abstain from from my alcoholic foods, then you know I'm going to. I mean, so I need to change my belief. You know, I need to change my attitude. I need to change uh, um, the fact that uh, I, I need help. I need to change this this idea that I can do this thing myself. I need to change. You know, so many things. You know, and, time, and please. Thanks for thanks for letting me Thank you, Pedro. Okay, Melissa C, you're up, followed by Alexis. Hey, good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your service this morning. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. Um, you know, I one of the things that grabs me when I read this is. Um, I have always succumbed to the desire, you know, because I lived my life um, not recognizing that what I had 
was something that made me very different from other people around me. Um, I really did not understand that I had an allergy. And when I did understand that I had an allergy, because there was years that I did, I did not understand that I could not be the same Melissa and live life being able to treat the seriousness of my condition and understand just how serious it was. That I I needed to, to have a huge internal change. Um, you know, the other thing is I read this and it's like, yeah, after I passed through, you know, the well-known stages of the spree, um, which was the way that I always ate. I mean, as I just lived my life on a, on a spray. I would diet, and then I couldn't hold it anymore. Um, and I believe part of the reasons why I couldn't hold it um, was because I was always relying on my memory, you know, to kind of keep me or, or external circumstances to keep me clean. But I have always emerged remorseful. I had never <laughs> overeaten in my life or eaten off my plan or eaten alcoholic foods and emerged any other way. I've never said, oh, that was so good. That hit the spot. You know, because I'm someone, you know, I have a spot that can't be hit, at least not with food. And what was required for me was not more willpower and not a better memory because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Um, what I needed was a, a new me. I needed the inside of me to be different. I needed my brain rearranged. And I remembered early on in recovery, I said to a sponsor, um, I kind of whispered it, you know, under my breath and a little snarky. I said, um, this is all like a lot of brainwashing, don't you think? And she said, Melissa, maybe your brain needs some washing. And that's the way I look at this program. You know, I needed nothing else worked because nothing else addressed the the internal me that I needed to stop living my life based on the needs and wants and wishes of Melissa. You know, not that I don't ever get my needs, wants, and wishes met. I just came home from an incredible weekend, of you know, with fellowship in California. I wanted that, you know. But I think what it is is that my needs, wants, and wishes are different. I'm a different person. My brain has been washed. Thank you, God. That, to me, is a psychic change. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Alexis, you're up, followed by Michelle. Thank you for your service. This is Alexis F. from New Jersey. Um, grace is never deserved uh, or uh, anything that we can work for and attain. It, it's a gift from God, and that's why everyone is equal, because we can all attain the grace to do anything that we need to do in life. You know, like God says, he doesn't give us burdens that are too heavy. You know, that we can all carry our own burdens. And some seem so much heavier than others. But I guess that's where some people need more help from others along the way. Um, when with my eating, it was more the obsession than the compulsion that drove me crazy. The obsession was this impulse that could not be satisfied with anything else but sugar. An impulse would come along, and I'd say to my husband, run out and get this. 
And uh, my daughter, she knew what I, I needed for my fix every time she came over, so she'd bring it. And uh, I'd take her out, and uh, the biggest thing was dessert. You know, like, what, what do you want for dessert? And, um, yeah, um, I kept praying about it when I came into vision. Uh, and I kept praying about it before that when I gave up sugar. But um, I think it, it worked. I, I don't know how it worked. I, I don't know how God works, and I don't know why he gives it to some and not to others. But I think um, continuing to pray about it and continuing to talk to him about it is the first step. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alexis F. And Michelle, you're up, followed by Pete B. Hey, everybody. This is Michelle. I'm a compulsive eater. I love I love this uh, part of the reading and uh, last Friday's reading, too, where it said about uh, um, uh, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Or it talked about, uh, oh, the restless, irritable, and discontent until I can, again, experience a sense of ease, comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks. And um, it's that sense of ease and comfort. And in the book, it says it comes immediately. And um, I can relate to that so much. And uh, not only for, for food, which I think for me is the symptom, but for the underlying cause of that, so which for me is uh, fear of abandonment and uh, lack of love. And so when I have those cravings and um, I use it now like as a warning sign and um, remember that... Uh, I, I love myself. Um, I need to uh, change the way I feel about myself drastically. That psychic change that it talks about in today's reading, it's, it's not an easy, quick thing to do for me. And um, so when I satisfy the food craving or any kind of craving, if I have that food craving and I look at it and I think, what's going on here? And I look around me in my life and I see, you know, I have family members that are angry at me or I I need forgiveness somewhere. So I think in my mind that uh, um, I did something wrong and that I need forgiveness or, or uh, my husband is withholding love. You know, I look around and I see these things and that's, for me, why I'm craving. And as soon as I get those things, immediately the craving disappears and I am filled with satisfaction. So what is that all about? So that's all. That's my share. Food for thought. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Michelle. Pete B., you're up, followed by Pat H. 
Thank you, moderator, for taking the meeting. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy in Pennsylvania. And, yeah, you know, like entire psychic change. The word psychic, I used to think it was an entire psychological change, and I was, I was really interested in changing my behavior and in changing my thoughts and learning about different information. I thought I'd have a psychological change, and it doesn't say that. The, the word psychic it relates to the soul or the mind. So unless I have an entire change of my soul, entire change of my mind, I, I had, there was little hope of my recovery. And, and, I'm, and I'm grateful to say that as a result of working these steps as outlined in this book, putting my trust and my reliance and my dependence on a power greater than myself, I've had a psychic change. I've been restored to sanity. I've I've now been able to, or I am able to differentiate the true from the false. And what I understand, and I've come to understand as an observation of my experience and the experience of people around me is that, you know, restless, irritable, and discontentedness, these are not exclusive uh, uh, emotions or states to compulsive overeaters or to alcoholics. They are natural occurrences that just happen to human beings. They're just part of being human. And my desire for ease and comfort to get that out of a substance is not unique to compulsive overeaters. It's not even what makes me a compulsive overeater. Because ease and comfort is, not, is, not, is, is, is just a natural result of taking things that are going to satisfy my need for nutrition, my need for, for, uh, for, other, for other instincts that I have, right? Ease and comfort does not cause the phenomena of craving, right? It's the reason why it's, it's one of a bazillion reasons why I would go to the food. But my, my, my desire to avoid pain and get comfort that comes from the creator. That's something that's natural inside us. Right? And what I have to recognize is that just because I desire something doesn't mean I have to pick it up and, 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 and start that phenomenon of craving. Because the phenomenon of craving as a result of ingesting the substance, that is what makes me a compulsive overeater. And I have to also know this, that the only thing that could make me pick up a substance that I'm allergic to is me. Every bite I ever took came from my own hand. Every time I've ever started the phenomenon of craving, it came from me. And I know this, I've been restored to sanity. If I don't pick up that substance or I don't engage in that behavior, I can't get the phenomenon of craving. And the psychic change can happen if I implement this process and have the, the, what's, what's guaranteed to be delivered from it. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Pete. Okay, um, next we'll have Pat H. followed by Jeannie B. And then we might have time for one more. Hi, I'm Pat H., um, newly abstinent, recovering uh, in the northern suburbs of Chicago. Um, so uh, the phenomenon, they succumb to the desire. So the phenomenon of craving uh, that is uh, something I have struggled with. And the entire psychic change is uh, the description of a miracle. Uh, 
to lift me out of the morass of compulsive overeating and to make abstinence, entire abstinence, seem like a great idea is a complete miracle for me. And so um, thank you for the opportunity to share. I have really enjoyed all the shares so far. Thank you. I pass. Thank you so much, um, Pat H. Okay, Jeannie B., you're up, and then we'll have time for one or two more. Jeannie B., star one. I apologize. This is Jeannie B., recovered in Florida. Thank you so much, Vision, for such a steady, consistent meeting two meetings for me every day thank you for the 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 consistent recovery and messages and fellowship this paragraph really hit me this morning because when i was hearing about the craving and the cycles of the craving and the the inevitability of my cycle it took me back to when i was in the food for all those years decade all those decades that there was no doubt for me, this is how it worked for me, is I didn't have the foolishness in my head of, oh, you're going to have one bite, and then I wanted more. I was the fool who every time I knew I was going to binge. I went out to buy for a binge. By the time I got home, I had already was well into my binge. I was binging before I turned the car engine on. I was binging at every red light. I was binging in between red lights. And I was just going to binge until I was done, until I was spent, whatever that was that day. I had no there was a a solution. I had no idea there was a way out. I knew that this cycle that I was in was just horrible, horrible. And I was not at my top weight because I was also, you know, I had done this restricting and then binging and then restricting and then binging and all I was doing was just trying to hold on between binges just just delay that next binge just just white knuckle through to to just hold on and then I would binge again and I knew I was going to binge again it was just that I was holding off until until trying to delay that time so when somebody told me about OA, I had come into full acceptance and embracing that I was I was a food addict. I just didn't think I could do anything about it. I had no idea anything could be done about it. All I had wanted was to, to feel food neutrality or not care about food or be like the Jetsons where you take a pill. Well, they took a pill and they didn't have to eat. That was That was an awesome goal. I wanted to be like that. But no, I was stuck in the hell that I was in. Then I came to OA. And I I don't know why, but day one, I heard, oh, my God, I'm not alone. I do know why. I heard I'm not not alone. I had no idea any other person binged the way I did. No idea that there was truly a path to recovery. And person after person would be like, yeah, that was me. Yeah, this is the way. I followed the 12 steps. I got a sponsor. I got a sponsor. I followed the 12 steps. 
and I've been in recovery since. I cannot believe a life without the deep shame cycle that I was in. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you so much, um, Jeannie B. Okay, we have time for one, let's see, one more share. Who would like to take that spot? Tony B. Okay, go ahead, Tony. Hi, my name is Tony. Um, Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to share. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and very, very grateful to be on this line and reading this, this, these couple of sentences. It's so key. It's so, so key. It was so key to my understanding my compulsive overeating, which um, even though I, I was in AA, I didn't understand in the rooms of OA, weirdly, for many years. And uh, I, what I was thinking to focus on was um, this emerging remorseful, and I thought I could I could add a lot more things to that. Yes, remorseful, sick, hopeless, baffled, disgusted, desperate, in denial. I mean, I would come out of the binge, but still, I, I just I was baffled. I didn't know, and you know, I, I didn't know what was going on. Frightened, actually, trying to pull myself back together and to move on with life. Um, in a kind of, you know, have a shower or, or just brush my hair or just try and do something to bring bring myself back together. But I knew that um, I knew something was very wrong. And this um, this firm resolution not to drink again. Yes, I'd, I'd have that feeling. I'd have that feeling. Something had to change, I'd say to myself. And I was right. Something really did have to change in a mega way. And... Um, you know, unless I could experience an entire psychic uh, psychic change, there was very little hope of my recovery. But, you know, we can experience that. And we've got a set of steps which make it possible. And uh, meetings like this, which really get to the get to the core of it, get to the key um, of it. And, um for that, I'm very, very grateful. That's that's all I have to share. Thank you for listening, and love all you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Okay, we have less than a minute, so I think we'll just go ahead and wrap this up. <clears throat> okay, so a thank you to everyone who shared, and please stick around for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, January 15th, 7 a.m. meeting is 21,038. That's 21038. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Penny E. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thanks, Katie. Penny E. recovered in South Jersey. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose, disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. 
admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.